Welcome to the Outdoor Country Talk Podcast, hosted by Jacob Poole and Jeremy Shaw, where we bring country living and the great outdoors together. Welcome back to another episode of Outdoor Country Talk. Poole, man, what's happening with you today? Man, not a whole lot. I got a guest in the studio with me, and I know he's fired up to tell his story today. Yeah, I wish I was there with y'all, but as usual, I'm, uh, I'm on the road, headed back in, trying to get it on back to the house for a late evening, but a guy that's, uh, he's familiar with us. Yeah, I don't know if being familiar with us is a good thing or a bad thing, but. Well, I, we'll, we'll I, have to ask him that, get his, get his opinion there. I but, played uh, the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, isn't that the truth? Well, let, uh, let's go I, ahead and introduce him. Uh, we, we have Mr. Wayne Thornhill with Thornhill Shooting Preserve on today. Mr. Wayne runs a quail hunting uh, outfit up in JS, Tylertown, JS area. I'm not exactly sure which one they own it, but uh, it's a JS. I, I know we've gone JS and address. We, we've had a lot of fun up there over the years going and hunting with him. So, Mr. Wayne, Absolutely. how are you today? Doing great. I appreciate uh, you guys having me on this program today. Well, we know you're starting to get started at. You know, season your your season's about to start back up, so we wanted to give you a chance to to come on today and kind of let everybody know what you got going and what's coming up and what all they need to do to be able to get a hunt booked with you and come enjoy the fun that Jeremy and I've had before. Well, just today I was uh, with a gentleman that's going to operate one of the skeet machines on the tenth. Uh, and uh, we were lining up where he wanted to be. So we're getting ready to get kicked off. October 1st is when we can actually start uh, legally hunting the quail. I've been doing this a pretty good while. Started back about 1978. Mr. Wayne, I would have been one at that time. So, yeah, we, we, can, we can easily say that was 42 years you've been at this. So, And I'm going to bet in 42 years a lot of things have changed. That is correct. We first started, Daddy and I would put them out in an old about 72 Ford truck. <laughs> now we're fortunate enough to use uh, golf carts. How about that? My have times have changed. Uh, the reason we started that is uh, prior to that, farming had been good in this area. But the soybean price bottomed out. The farmers went to double cropping with wheat right behind that. Therefore, they were destroying the winter food crop for the quail. Once you do that, then you have all these other things added in there, loss of habitat. Uh, so we started deer hunting. The deer had finally gotten populated in there enough. We started deer hunting for about two or three years, but that just really wasn't our gig. And we gave that up and started Daddy said, other people raise these quail. I can raise some. So he started raising a few. He already had a business built up selling trained dogs and also training dogs for other people. So that grew and grew. People would come, bring their dogs. Daddy would train their dogs. They would pick the dog up. He would release birds for them to shoot. And they'd say, hey, man, turn me some more birds out. So uh it just grew from that meeting others and uh into what it is today of course i uh miss my dad oh there's no doubt on that the uh the the so this actually began y'all y'all saw a need back then do the farming practices changing and and started raising now when y'all were raising your own to begin with how many quail were y'all raising at that time about four thousand and just to give a rule of thumb, how many do you, how many it's do y'all hunt? Average about eight, eight, eight to 10,000 now. Now, at some point. Now, at, at one point, we turned off almost 18,000 birds out one season. That's when the oil was booming and they could write that, uh, expense off. We need to get oil booming again. Don't yeah. We? Amen. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm, I'm all golden for that. <laughs> you think you could go along with that in a heartbeat? I guarantee you. Well, Mr. White, how was, how was the the quail hunting back then? You know, not not racing birds, but just just the quail population back then. I know you know you know it took a decline, you know, after the the farming practice. But how was the population then compared to you know just the native population it is now? Uh, Jeremy, 
the uh, one season, the three of us on opening day walked from the place out there where my mm-hmm. dad, you and uh, Jacob are familiar with, and we harvested, uh, I think, like 39 quail that one opening day, just walking from the house. So y'all had a pretty good population. Right. I know we, we had a very good population. That the habitat was almost perfect in most of those places at that time. You know, us growing up over here, we always had one covey, maybe two coveys at Mama's, even out at my place. I have one, two coveys. You know, you talking about small, yeah, small little groups of birds, and I hate to hunt them just because I'd like to see them grow, but. The predators get a hold to them enough that, you know, you never really see many of them grow very much. So the, the numbers never seem to increase to me. Well, I think the uh, bio, uh, wildlife biologists will tell you that 70, 60 to 70 percent of them will die at the first real cold snap because they're really? just, just not. Uh, and then if you don't harvest some of them, they're not going to reproduce very many because they are not trying to replace the ones that have been lost. But you don't need to kill the covey down so low that that you that they can't replace either. So got a covey of twelve, you think taking four or five right three would or be, four would, would be, be good. Okay. I don't know. We we were always told as kids not to fool with them, leave them alone. But that's back when you had twenty four and twenty five, thirty in a covey mm-hmm. at times. Well, maybe a little bit before your time, since we we discussed that earlier. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and Jeremy's even younger than I am, so uh, you know. But uh, Mr. Wayne, uh, y'all being started this long, you know, for forty two years, I know in those forty two years you've had some really awesome guests and some really awesome experiences and friendships and stuff. Any of those come to mind that you just that just stand out for you? Two gentlemen started hunting with Daddy in eighty three. And one of them passed away about a year or so before he did, and the other one just just couldn't recover from that. And that was in uh, thirteen when Dad passed away. So eighty three to thirteen, supposedly that's how years. long those you know hunted with him thirty years with us thirty years. Uh, I've hunted with some famous people. And I've hunted with some infamous people. <laughs> we'll try not to mention. Jeremy, he many. might be talking about me and you there. We'll try yeah, not well. to mention many of the infamous people. Go ahead, Jeremy. No, no, go ahead. I said, well, that, that may be us, but uh, yeah, we we'll, may fall we'll in take, the infamous. We'll, we'll take whatever role we can get. Yeah, I don't think we fall <laughs> in the famous category. We're gonna we're gonna be in that infamous category, Mister Wayne. I know us coming over and hunting over the years. You know, it's always been a really unique experience. It's always been a fun experience. You come and you get get all your stuff gathered up and everybody kind of has time to sit around and visit for a few minutes while you're getting ready to put birds out and then y'all go put the birds out and you know then the the first hunt will begin depending on number of birds that you you decide you want to do you go and you hunt and just the the fun of getting to watch dogs work because it's really That's, that's half or more of the hunt you know jeremy and i like to duck hunt and we dove hunt but you you have a dog working, but it's just on a retrieval. It's not a, it's not a hurting. It's not pointing. It's not really, you know, what I call a working dog. So, so having that adventure is, I'd say it's three quarters of the hunt and watching the dogs work. Now I, I enjoy shooting the birds also, but, but watching them do their thing and really get up on it. That's when, to me, that's more part of the fun. And that, oh, no that, doubt. And that's one of the main reasons we got back into that because of the dogs, you know, that just we love. You you couldn't, you could deer hunt some by running the hounds, and we even uh, raised some half bird dog and half hounds to do that with. They were great in some instances, but the deer hunting causes jealousy. And... So we just kind of eased out of the deer hunting and went back to the quail so that we could, uh, you know, that's why it's named Preserve. We try and 
preserve quail honey. Mm-hmm. Well, and being in this as long as you have, you've seen the goods and the bads of everything that comes through, you know, in in the quail hunting or in dog, you know, when your daddy first started selling dogs or training dogs, how did he get in, how did he get started into that? Uh, daddy loved to hear those hounds run, the fox, chase the fox, mm-hmm. as before we had the cows. When I was a boy, we didn't have any deer or turkeys. We only had some squirrels, some rabbits, and a quail in that, out in that area. So you didn't have, you didn't have to ask someone to go on their property. If they didn't want you on it, they told you and you knew. And it was very, very uh, limited to the instances that that happened. So you could just walk anywhere you wanted to and hunt and nobody would bother you and you were welcome to it. And you'd share the bounty with some of them, you know. So when I was a little bitty toddler, I picked out a, a foxhound and she lived to be about 16 years old. So I was grown by then. But when we first moved, relocated from, uh, his original home to where he inherited that property and built, uh, the home that's there now. He got a little bird dog puppy that spring. But before that spring, let me back up a minute. We had a park collie. And when we moved over there that fall, he said, you want to go shoot a bird? I said, yes, sir. Has borrowed single shot 410. And guys and ladies, if I crack up crying, it's, I'm just sentimental. I, (laughs) I was really close to my dad. Uh, he said, would you like to go shoot a bird? I said, yes, sir. So we grabbed up that borrowed 410. He got his gun. We took that three quarter collie and I don't know what the other was. He said, now as soon as she smells those birds, we got to stay with her. So. I was about 12 years old, maybe fixing to turn 13. And, uh, we got back there on the backside of the property and she got birdie. The covey jumped up. I shot once and he shot once and we both killed a bird. I accidentally killed the first one I shot at. So, uh, that was how I got started, Jacob. And then that spring, uh, or during that winter, he got a bird dog puppy and we, uh, started training her and then that fall on the opposite side of the property she was pointed down in a hollow mm-hmm. and the birds were getting up one and two at a time and we were working on them until she laid on down that she hadn't been shot over enough and that she got scared of and they said whoa whoa we can't shoot no more birds still flying <laughs> it's, it's hard not to see. I bet it was. <laughs> so it, it just it gets in your blood and you like to watch those dogs work and, uh, and she pointed a deer later on in her, at the end, towards the end of her career. The deer finally moved in and, well, she pointed the first deer I ever saw close around where we live out there. Well, you know, Mr. Wayne, uh, we grew up I did. Uh, Diddy had pens full of dogs. We, we had plenty of deer dogs. I think at one time we had 50, you know, hunting dogs and puppies all at once at mama's. And we used to love to go watch them run but, or listen to them run, but it's a difference. You know, they're running their full speed chase. They're, they're going doing their thing, but it's not the same as watching your dogs or, or watching good bird dogs that, you know, like you say, when they get birdie, when they when they catch that first scent, and all of a sudden they slow down or they begin tracking back and forth, and that tail comes up and they go to pointing, it's just a different type of, you know. And if you like it, which I do, it's, it makes that adrenaline get high. It does. It does. And to be honest, I enjoy shooting just as much as everybody else, but I almost would rather go and watch the dogs and let everybody else shoot. That's why several times when we've been with you, I've, I've just set my gun on my shoulder and filmed for a while just to, to get somebody else getting, you know, getting in on the action. And, 
I, I like watching the dogs. I can't help it. I'll say it several times across here, but most men have as much fun watching their children hunt and enjoy that as they do actually shooting themselves. Each time that we've been, you know, my kids have all wanted to go and, you know, it, it's a, it's a thing where I want them to hurry up and get to go, but it's also a safety issue. And I'm not going to allow them to come with me until I feel that they're confident enough to be able to come and, and not hurt a dog or another hunter. It's just one of those things where they'll, they'll have to wait their turn. There are so many things to learn so fast. You've got to watch the dogs. In other words, you don't have the gun pointed towards the ground and come up through the dogs as you're trying to shoot the quail. You come from the top down on the quail. Therefore, the dogs are, it's much safer for the dogs. You got the dogs you have to watch. You got the other hunters you have to watch. You got, uh, <clears throat> numerous things that you've got to be aware of because those dogs are not all going to be still all at, they'll be scattered. They'll be, when they, one points and the others back them, I've gotten to where now because of the safety feature, I let them all come in close together so that they won't be spread out. So, and I've had two dogs point at the same time, you know, so, uh, pointing different birds so you got to make a choice as to which one to shoot and it's 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 so much to learn so quick that that you don't want to take two or three rookies all at one time mm-hmm. well and not only that but i have yet to see now i know you do a great job out there but you don't have all the birds trained to fly the same direction just yet <laughs> so you've got dogs going in different directions sometimes you've got birds going in different directions and when you've got three or four hunters that are not used to that type of hunting you get excited and caught up in the moment and you start to swing and you, you've got to remember your 10 and 2 and and watch out for your fellow man because if not or, or lady because you can mess up real quick and that's one reason i haven't brought the kids yet i just don't feel confident enough you know, I, I know on our last hunt that I was able to come with you, we had a young man that had never hunted before. When I say a young man, he was almost my age. And every time the birds would go on point, he would point the shotgun right above the dog's head. And finally, I had, every time he did it, I'd gone and raised his gun, like, get your gun up. At least have it 8 to 10 feet off the ground because that dog may jump after that bird. Let the bird get all the way up and then address the bird. Old habits are hard to break. Mm-hmm. The habits that you <laughs> form to start with is what you tend to do. So I try to watch and get them in the correct habit so that because I have had dogs killed, you know, I've had two or three blinded simply because the hunters did not do this safe thing. And we all make mistakes, but when you're toting a shotgun, you don't get to take that shot back, no, or whatever right. it hits. Any, is, any is, type is, of firearm, but especially right. a shotgun at a close range. There's not a – you can't say I'm sorry later and fix things. So. Well, that too, in our experiences out there, Mr. Wayne, is, you know, if you do bust a covey, nine times out of ten, you're going to get back on them. You may have to walk a little bit, but you're going to get back on them and get another chance. Right, and I try to simulate an actual hunt. I grew up hunting them, like I said, started about 12 years old. And I know what they're supposed to act like, and that's what I, I I think I accomplished that feat pretty much, getting them to act like the natural bird in a natural habitat. Well, I know this. The uh, Jeremy, what did he tell us the first time we went out there? Make sure you wear long pants and and maybe some briar chaps if you had them. Yeah, you you and I didn't do that. No, I showed up in my shorts and snake boots and plowed right on through and. I think I picked briars out of me for a, for a day or two after, but it was all right. There, there wasn't many places oh, yeah. in dogs when I couldn't go right behind them. Well, the thing about it, whenever we got started, you know, we, we, I think we mentioned briars a couple of times in that first point. We didn't even think about briars anymore. No. And to be honest, they were really just in that one spot up in the front. Uh, once you got off up into the property, I didn't really find any, or, or like you say, once, once the adrenaline got to rushing and you got to <laughs> really kind of figuring out what was going on, I didn't pay much attention to them anyway. So it, it was like I say, each time we've gone has been a new experience and it's been a lot of fun. And, and I know this, this next trip we go on, 
I've got to try that 410 pistol. I, I can't help it. I had said last time I was going to do it, but this next trip, I'm going to have to see if I can keep up with Mr. Wayne with that pistol and and get one or two. Is it okay if I mention names? Yeah, go ahead. Mr. Smith broke a clay with it the other night over at Milt Burris's. Oh, did well. I heard you had made a, a trip out to Milts and and got a shooting. And really enjoyed it. It, it was a lot of fun. I, I changed. I told Mister Smith, which would be Hester. I said, "Now we're gonna do a little different on this one right here. Now we're changing the rules. We're going by my rules." I said, <laughs> "Now you got the control, and whenever you get ready, you let them go. Just as long as it ain't double." So that assimilated. A quail hunt because you don't know right that the second or moment that's going to come out of that. You don't say pull and they fly. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can ask that same gentleman. We got to play it around out there one night. We had the high house, the low house, and the trap house all hooked up and had a guy over with the remotes. And we told him, just pull what you want to when you want to, but only pull two. And you can pull them same time, opposite time. And it makes it fun. Well, we had a young man with us that shot, and about halfway through, he said he was done. He was tired of fooling with us. It wasn't, he didn't know when they were coming or where they were coming from, and he had got so frustrated, he just went and sat on the porch and left us old men out there to shoot. But, but that simulates the natural hunt. You don't, you never know when a dove's gonna come out of one of those trees, you know? Yeah, well, mm -hmm. a dove, a duck, a quail, it, to me, it was a lot more fun, and it just changed it up. You know, you go out there and you do the same thing every single time. It it, it kind of loses some of the... As you mentioned earlier, the quail don't fly the same way every time. No. Some of them know how to dart, just like the doves. <laughs> Duck, dart, fly into a tree, uh, wing around one. Yeah, I think I've shot a tree or a bush out there more than once trying to get at a bird. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's okay for me to brag a little bit, would that, would that be okay? All, by all means. <laughs> I've hunted with Brett Favre, had the pleasure to hunt with him. Super nice guy. Yeah, uh, he, his place wouldn't be, but what, about an hour from you? A little under an hour? But at that time. Just back when he was still playing with Green Bay or. Right. He went, he was to go the next day and, and have a workout with New Orleans. But of course, Green Bay signed him back and the rest is history, you know. Oh, so this was back in the early, early days. Yeah. It was, uh, I think, probably his second contract signing with Green Bay. It was along about that time. Okay. Uh, a gentleman would drive up, sit there on the hill in that limousine, and I'd take uh, former Governor Edwin Edwards with me around, and his guards, bodyguards stayed in the limousine the whole time watching us. So. I can't believe they didn't walk along with him just to make sure everything was. Oh, uh, they, they might have been uh, concerned that uh, they didn't want to be in the way when the b birds flew their <laughs> way. <laughs> they didn't want that kind of interference. Yeah. Uh, I've had uh, clientele that lived in South Africa, Alaska, New York. Germany, lot most of the states, not all of them, but most of the fifty states, and uh, I I don't say that bragging. I, I'm just saying that that, and that I hardly ever advertise. I'm, I almost never advertise. That's through word of mouth mainly that mm -hmm. I am known, and so that goes to show that evidently I put out a good product. And I try very hard. As you well know, I really work with the younger uh, clients to help them, teach them the proper way to start with. Well, and Mr. Wayne, and back up there just a little bit, that's before social media too, or before the internet. So that word of mouth being able to travel and carry to, to the parts that you're talking about, that's pretty unique. You know, now you can post something online and, you know, everybody all over the world can see it. But since you mentioned the World Wide Web, I have a site and it's called Thornhill Shooting Preserve.net. Imagine that. 
A man that won't text you back has a website Oh, now. but look at my nice Nokia. Jeremy, I may have to take a picture of this phone. That may be the picture for this uh, for this show. I think it's probably the same one he had when we were out there, I bet. Huh? Oh, definitely. It is. It's got I, a new battery, though. Look I, out. I think in 1998 it came out. It's a... It's a vintage, I guess you would call that phone. It's not a flip. It's one of the old single phone Nokia's. Uh, I'm not even sure what number it would be on there, but yeah, I've been texting back and forth and he won't text me back. He just calls me. Well, that's because I don't have the feature that I can text back on that. <laughs> I still have the old family plan, 2995. Oh, man. <laughs> Jeremy, that plan went out of uh you couldn't get that plan after nineteen ninety six. Uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's yeah, grandfathered in and he's he's hanging on to it tight. So I know Mr. Way you talk about the younger hunters. I think it's the last time we came out there, um we, we brought Hayden with us. We've mentioned him on the show several times before and uh and heck I think that was probably one of my most fun trips, you know, just watching watching him you know, enjoy that experience. And then, you know, you, uh, you, you coaching him and, and messing with him the whole time. I mean, that was just, uh, that was a fun trip in itself, just going and, and seeing, seeing that and experiencing with him. I enjoyed that also. And he, he's a pretty good little shot. We're going to get him back over before long. He's pretty fair. He told me that day, Jeremy, I think he told both of us, uh, what did he say? He shot six times before he finally hit one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we're talking about a young man that usually shoots 23 out of 25 on trout or, or, oh, ski. Jim. And he, he just, that live bird, the, the adrenaline got to rushing and, and he, he had clicked her all the way down and it just wasn't happening for him. So I remember now, Jeremy, this just came to me as, as, uh, Jacob was missing that. I believe I asked him now, how was that that you got to come about on this shoot after he had missed about that first six? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he helped us yeah. win a, a tournament and he was amazed that, uh, you know, they didn't fly the same way. He was, he was missing more than he was hitting and it had him thrown off a little bit, but he, he got his, he got his bearings and came on around. So that he did. That uh, he did. All right. We, uh, it has been mentioned to be my some of my regular clientele that we should have a memorial hunt for my father. So I had been kind of thinking about that also along those lines, and we decided that we would. And I said, "Well, wait, wait a minute. We need Dad, my mama, in there also." She sat at that table. I mean, at that sink, and personally cleaned those birds. She wasn't cleaning the 08 season. But you can you imagine sitting at your household sink cleaning six, 7,000 birds, eight, no. ten? I, I can't could. see my bride letting me bring them inside. I'd have to clean them outside and then bring them in. But she and Daddy, you know, they did that during the week. I could help on the weekends and a little bit during the week when I worked the second shift. And uh you could almost put them in a skillet. They were that clean when my mama got through with them. And same with my sister that took over after my mother. So it's the Con and Betty Thornhill Memorial Hunts to be held October the 10th of this year. I'm going to furnish the jambalaya along with some other uh, things like some good deer sausage. And uh, I have just recently been introduced to some deer sausage that has pineapple and brown sugar in it. And you talking about good to me, I really enjoy that. So we might have to break out just a little of that. I'm not giving all my stock away, though. <laughs> <laughs> but it'll dig deep in the freezer. Right. We, we, we might get one back. scratch the surface there a little bit. But we're not going too far into the reserve on that. You know, but thing is, they sell more of that. You can always use up what you got and go get some more. <laughs> See, I found some. But I don't have time to deer hunt. Excuse me. I found some. It's a pork sausage. It's a jalapeno and pineapple. And now I'm, I'm a fan of it now. It, it'll, my kids get plum mad at me because I'll eat the whole pack and they want to know where it is and it's already gone. Well, a gentleman that, it's bought a place about a mile and a half across the road, uh, across the woods from me. Uh, became a client and a friend and, uh, 
they hunted that afternoon, and he left a partial box of shells on my four-wheeler. And I decided that I just had to take those shells home that night. I didn't want him to run out. Of course, I knew he was going to be cooking also. (laughs) (laughs) And he had some of that jalapeno and pineapple sausage that you were talking about already cooked. And he said, try your slice of that. I said, man, this is fine. And then, of course, he had, he was grilling some quail. And I said, I need to go. He said, no, the quail's almost done. So he didn't have to twist my arm. I waited and, mm-hmm. of course, indulged in the quail too. You know, I could have waited till another time. He didn't need those shells, but I knew he was going to have you, something you good. You knew to he eat. was cooking. So you, <laughs> you, you had to go check in on him. Shame, shame on me. No, that's, <laughs> if you miss out on that opportunity, then that shame, shame on you. Don't skip a good, good eating. The, uh, now, Mr. Wayne, the memorial hunt. Now, you're going to have, y'all are going to do hunts that day. Uh, you're going to have quick ski. hunts. It won't be the, the normal. Okay. Hunts. Well, walk it, us it, through it, that. Kind of let everybody know what's going to be Normally, going on you on book a half day or a whole day. This, since there's going to be, hopefully, a good many, we're going to have short hunts, uh, except I've already booked two 30 bird hunts for the morning. I'm supposed to have an extra guide. I'm supposed to have plenty of people to help clean the birds and do this, that, and the other, being setting up two skeet throwers. And we're going to have uh, participation in that as, say, shoot uh, 10 targets for a fee of $10. And if you break all, if you break all 10 of them, get $7 of it back. That sounds like a pretty good deal. That, that sounds pretty cool. Now, are you going uh, to have a competition with it, or no, is it just going to be just you against you? There you go. If you want to have a competition, we can do this any way you all want to do it. Whatever. <laughs> We're going to have a fun day. But that's that's just one scenario, 10 targets. Uh, one gentleman has one that has that motor on it, makes it wobble and, and do a little different than just mm-hmm. straight slinging it. Now, what time is all of this going to start, Mr. Wayne? About 8 o'clock. Okay. And run all day long to to the last Just come one. Just come and go. Uh, got a couple of door prizes. Been donated by the Pike County Co-op. Uh, might as well mention the rest of the sponsors, too. Yes, sir. Go too. ahead. Uh, Dana Vuteria and Associates, Dr. Herbert, uh, Chris Duck, East Macomb Body Shop, R.K. Wallace, Moore Law Firm, Raymond Dyer, Southern Paws, Southern Cash and Pawn, Keith Guy and uh, Pharmacy and Associates, and Kevin Toon. You've got a pretty good sponsor list there. And I, do you I have do. any idea on how many people you're expecting to any, be at the Anyone event? that has ever hunted there is invited. Okay. And we're going to make sure this gets out on the radio the week before so, so and, everybody can can find it and hear it and try to help you get a little extra advertising on it. And I'm expecting a hundred I'm we're preparing to cook enough jambalaya for a hundred and fifty people. Okay. You are expecting a good crowd then. Right. And, I I think this will be a, a fun thing. This I'm trying to give back. They, my clients have been wonderful to me. The ninety 9.5% of them, and I'm just, you know, it's a way to to give back. I think it's wonderful, Mr. Wayne. I know Jeremy does too. Oh, yeah. You know, being former clients or current clients of, because I know we're going to make a trip or two out this season, you know, just just to thank you, that's, that's awful nice. So. Well, I appreciate that. And since you brought that up, I caught the program Saturday morning. And he said that we can't make those duck trips and stuff up north because of this COVID, but you can come to Thornhill Shooting Preserve. <laughs> 601 <laughs> 241 Well, he slid that in there quick, didn't he? <laughs> Mr. Wayne, before we get off now, I, I know we talked about it a little bit when we were out there, and I think we can probably at least get one out of you. So whenever you cook these fine little morsels when you get home after a fine hunt out there, 
you got to you got to help us out with a little recipe now. I know we can get at least one out of you, can't we? Yeah, I think I can rattle one off. I prefer <laughs> them fried. Uh, some people grill them with jalapeno, and uh, uh, you can put whatever in that uh, in that breast cavity. But I prefer them fried. My mama always quartered them. She uh. We soaked them in brine water overnight. We didn't cook them the same day. We would cook them the next day, almost always. Or she would. I didn't cook them. Uh, I was a spoiled, rotten little boy. I was the only uh, boy with the Thornhill name out of nine children that my grandfather had. So I was a spoiled, rotten brat. Uh, but anyway... <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Many people will agree with that. Uh, you quarter them, cut your breast in half. Like I said, soak them in brine water overnight. That, that'll that tenderize them and all. Then you either fix your egg batter or fix the batter that you prefer, salt and pepper as to taste, and cook them in that hot grease in that old black iron skillet but you don't cook them until they look done. If you do, they'll cook some more after you pull them out of that heat, and then they will be a little on the tough side. So it's just like shrimp. If you overcook shrimp, what it tastes like? Rubber? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Chewy. Very chewy. So uh, that's the way you, you, you just don't overcook while game because it makes it tough if you do overcook it. Or you can. I got to... Do we have time for another one, Jeremy? Yes, go ahead. You got oh, plenty yeah, of time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can leave them whole, pull your rib bones out of them, the rib cages, take those out. And uh, like I said, do the same brine water always. Uh, have you a, like a fry daddy or a deep fryer prepared with that all hot batter? It won't matter if you double batter them. Put them in that hot fryer long enough to sear the batter on. Have you a roasting pan prepared. Bring them out of that. Turn them with the breast up. Slice you some good Vidalia onions and place those rings all over the top of it and put you some Lee and Pear and steak sauce over that then. Then you come back and you strip it with uh, bacon. Go all the way across the top of it with the bacon. Finish filling your pan a half inch deep with liquid of your choice. If you like cooking sherry, you can put that in there. You put you some more Lee and Perrin's. For 18 birds, we use two balls of, two eight ounce balls of Lee and Perrin's steak sauce. You cover that pan and you put it in the oven and you uh, let it cook at about 350. For 18 birds, it took approximately an hour and 20 minutes and it would fall off the bone. You have gravy. From that uh, Lee and Perry and steak sauce and the drippings from your bacon in there. And you can fix you some potato salad. I like mine with a sweet pickle relish in it. <laughs> Jimmy, y'all see him grinning over here right now thinking about oh, it. Oh, I bet, I, bet I bet he's lathered up over it. Yeah, he is. He done broke a sweat over here thinking about it. I can tell you this, he's got my mouth watering thinking about it. I'm telling you. And that's a that's pretty tasty fare right there. Well, Jeremy, do you remember the last time we was over there when he threatened to whoop me if I did what I did again? Yeah, your cleaning method wasn't wasn't exactly uh, the Thornhill way, if I remember. No, Mister Wayne and them were back there plucking those birds, and they were leaving the skin on and doing everything just right. And I said, "Look, can I show you a quicker way?" And I I breasted it like you would a dove and pulled that meat right off the bone and just had it, you know, butterflied it right there. And I mean, it was just as pretty and neat as you could be. And he said, now that was neat and it was quick. He said, but if you do that again, I'm going to whoop you. Do you understand me? (laughs) Well, that has escaped my memory, Jacob. Yeah, I bet it did. I bet I go to touch another bird again. It'll remind you real quick. The legs are the What I think he was doing was just getting him away. You won't never ask him to come clean birds for you. I think is what it was. The legs are an hors d'oeuvre, guys. You, you save the legs and cook those while you cook and eat and eat those while you're cooking the breast. It's one way to look at that. Well, I tell you what I did with the last batch of them. Uh, I think I actually cooked them up at the, up at the hunt camp 
was uh, I just put them down, had them halved, and, you know, kept the legs, everything together, throwed them on the grill for a few minutes, just seared them up good, and like you say, tried not to overcook them. And I may have soaked them like some Italian dressing or something like that. And uh, it was, I tell you, it was a hit with the guys that was up there at the uh, at the hunting camp. Right. It, uh, there are many yeah. uh, items that you can soak these in. It's it, not just the brine water. You can you can sauté them in, uh, soak them in buttermilk for twenty minutes, and that helps uh, tenderize them and and get uh, some more taste in them. Right. Well, I know this. I know my bride will go back and listen to this podcast a little extra just to get the recipes off of this. So that won't hurt maybe, my feelings. Maybe, maybe mine will. Well, I'm going to bet what he was talking about just a minute ago with putting onions and the bacon and everything else and putting them in a in the oven. You can do that with duck or doves or not just quail. That that sounded like it had a a good oh, flavor yeah. going on all the way around. So Dale's poultry salt uh is a, is a nice saute also. They okay. Use poultry. It hmm. works very well. Well, Mr. Wayne, we got a little bit longer, but uh, I know for me, just, just kind of let folks know, you know, folks, if y'all are listening to this out at Mr. Wayne's, when you go out there, you're treated top notch. I mean, it's a, it's a nice setup. Everything's right there ready for you. It's not a long walk. So if, if you have a, you know, if, if walking's your issue, you know, y'all do have a golf cart where y'all can help get folks around, but the, the experience, the pleasure of getting to go and do it, it it's, it's very cost efficient and you ease in, you get to, you get to what dots dogs work, you get to vent, spend time visiting with your friends, you get some of the best quail hunting, shooting, I mean, they, they're coming up off the ground and they're ready to go. They're, they are pin raised birds, but they are, when, when them dogs flush them, it, it's a, it's a on the action go. And you move around, you go from spot to spot and then you take a break, depending on whether you do a full day or a half day. And even on the half day, you break it up and do it in two hunts. So everybody's, you're not overwhelming anybody. You get a chance to take a breather and. It's just a good thing. It's a great time and it's close, you know, with it being here or, you know, if you're in this area and you're looking for something to do, you know, you can get up with Mr. Wayne on his website or on his, by his phone numbers. And we may even, have you got a social media Facebook page yet? I'm on the World Wide Web. He's on the World Wide Web. Dot net. But it's a great time and a great opportunity and, and you really need to go. You know, over the years, we've got to take different groups and have a good time with it. And you always, Mr. Wayne's, Mr. Wayne's a, a card and it's in his own right. So there's some junk being told the whole time somebody's being picked at. <laughs> would you agree with that, Jeremy, with that giggle yeah. I just got? I, I would agree, but man, that's, that's part of the, uh, that's part of the experience. <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody happy if mama ain't happy, right? That's exactly right. Well, I, I can remember a story or two I heard out there, but I'm not sure we're allowed to tell them on the radio. We may have to save them for in person out at the at the shooting preserve. Well, no comment. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Wayne, thinking back over the years, you know, hunting with your dad, hunting with Brett Farr, hunting with the, the governor, is there any hunt that just stands out that? that you enjoyed the most any any group of folks and i i'm not saying you know me and jeremy i know we had to be some of the most fun but <laughs> he, he made a sour face on that one so yeah no it what it's hard so many of them are are so good uh a gentleman treated three preacher friends of his to a hundred bird hunt they couldn't get there to that afternoon they wanted all hundred of them turned loose i turned out 50 birds we went and shot part of those. Time got, you know, we were constrained by the time because it was happened to be in the afternoon. They had to fly in and we turned out 50 more and they had a ball. And one gentleman furnished that hunt for it. And, you know, that's there again. I say giving back, mm -hmm. you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Mm -hmm. Now, to brag a little bit, well, one of the hunts that really stands out is when I popped that 
popped that bird with that 410 pistol. <laughs> <laughs> with, with Hester Smith watching me. <laughs> I've heard this story, so it made an impression on him, too. Now, unless I'm mistaken now, did he not? He hunted with it also. Right. He, had to, right. he got him one or two with it, too, didn't he? I've actually let several clients use that. And you, right. Hester was able to, to catch on to it pretty good. But I've had about four, either five, kill the first bird they shot at with it. And one of them is a local uh, enforcement officer by the name of Hudson, and his brother was ragging him, come on, you shoot it. And he said, I don't want to shoot it. He said, yeah, come on, shoot it. So he said, all right, I'll do it. First bird he shot at, he killed it. He said, here, I don't, <laughs> you take it back. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> one shot I'm doing. He's one for one, 100%. So the pistol is actually designed to shoot quail with it. It was sent to Briley and a special barrel put on it. And it, that, uh, I don't know what it feels like to hit a home run, but I know what it feels like to shoot that bird with that pistol flying and that, I can't imagine that hitting a home run would feel any better. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a home run within it, within its own game. Isn't it? I agree. Well, they're a challenge with a 12 gauge or a 20 gauge. So I know a, a, a 410 ought to add a whole different level to it. So 410 pistol at that. But at 29, as I am, you know, plus, uh, you should have enough experience that you could do something. 29, like in years Plus. of age? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of math's off over here, so. <laughs> but the, uh, and Mr. Wayne, y'all's season starts October 1st and runs until when? Through April. It's legal through April. Through now, April. my fee includes one guide, the dogs, and dressing the birds that you kill. These are not some that somebody else killed and may have blown them to smithereens. These are the birds that you kill. Uh, I have, uh, Britneys. I got two Britneys. I got a setter. I've got several pointers. I've got a, uh, a, uh, white golden retriever that uh, was originated in the Ukraine that I use as a flush dog. And, uh, we just have a good time watching the dogs. Well, I know we said it a while ago, but that has always been one of the one of the most fun parts of of going out there. As Jacob said, is just sitting there, you know, watching the dogs and you know watch them, and and also watch how you communicate with them because you're you're very vocal with them, and that uh, I don't say it cracks me up, but man, I could just sit there and watch and, and listen to y'all, um, you know communicate back and forth you know getting the dogs over here over there and you know it's uh well, it's, well, Jeremy, it's definitely something good to watch the uh reason i don't use a whistle is it hurts my ears so <laughs> i don't use a whistle and i the lord bless me with a good set of lungs so <laughs> 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 well you know jeremy you talk about that uh i know the the years when we started hunting with you and i'm not sure you still have this dog anymore but you, your dog that you would send in to bust the covey up, buddy, that, buddy, that was on the long uh, lead buddy. rope, and I could not for the first little bit figure out what in the world the dog on long lead rope was for. But that was the way you could step on it and hold him. Because uh, most of the time I ask everyone, "Are you ready?" Well, Buddy had learned he was approaching probably eight years old, and he had learned that when I said, "Are you ready?" that that was that was his signal to go in. So. If I if didn't know for sure that you were ready, I wanted to be on that rope so that he couldn't go in and flush him ahead of time. Well, y'all, and when I say a long rope, I'm talking about what ten, twelve foot long lead rope he had on him. It the first time you came, yeah. probably, but it it got shorter. It got shorter, six feet. But it was, you know, walking through there and you watching all the other dogs work back and forth, and Buddy stayed on your hip, and it was like, what in the world is that rope for? I mean, that's a Lord, you can reach out there long way to get him on that. But then I noticed you would stand on it from time to time whenever he started to creep a little too soon. Or the bird, the dogs kept setting and unsetting. They would, they would go on point and they'd come off a point readjusting. 
you could step on it and get him slowed down just a little bit. And, but it was a car to be a throwaway dog. That's right. You said you found him, didn't you? My, uh, actually, my granddaughter found him. And uh, he looked pretty full-blooded when we first got him, but he was he was the right size, and he had a good nose, and Buddy was was a champ in his own right. He was a smart dog. Well, I know we had a lot of fun hunting with him in the times that we did, but, you know, we're running running short on time here, and, and to wrap this thing up, y'all, Mr. Wayne's season's fixing to start October 1st, run all the way through April. Y'all give him a call, check him out on the internet. Y'all go ahead and book your hunts. October 10th is the customer appreciation weekend event. He's going to have jambalaya, going to have some sausage cooked up. They're going to have skeet shooting, and they're going to have some short hunts. So make sure you get a chance. Go online, find him, give him a call. If you text him, he won't text you back, but he will give you a call back. I can guarantee you that. See, I have a written thing, and I don't have to worry about remembering it. I got that text down. I can go back and read it. That's one of the main reasons I like it. I can text real quick, ask what I want, get a text back, and I'm good to go. But you only do half of that. So <laughs> <laughs> that way I know you received my call or not. That, that is correct. There you I, go. I know there it's marked go. down. Well, Mr. Wayne, do you have anything else you want to want to tell before we get off here? www.thornhillshootingreserve.net 601-248-0245 and 601-684-2138 my home phone. Most of the time, you can reach me with that sale the best way. And that was the first number, 0245. And y'all, like Mr. Wayne said a minute ago, you come out, you shoot, they clean the birds for you, they're professionally clean, they're ready to go. All you got to do is go home and figure out which one and find recipes he just gave us that you want to want to cook them with. So that's it. Fine time, well, Mr. Wayne. Look, we appreciate it. We enjoyed it. I hated I wasn't able to be there with you, but um, I'm sure we'll we'll catch you up here pretty quick and uh and make make us a hunt. Well, Jeremy, thank you and Jacob. I appreciate it so much, and I want to just give credit to the Lord. He has really been good to me, and over my entire lifetime blessing me with being able to do something that I enjoy doing absolutely well everybody we hope you enjoyed this episode of Outdoor Country Talk and God bless God bless well ain't nothing like a southern air Lord to make you feel alright I got the windows down I got the radio on